September 14, 2016. This is Urban Talk Radio 103.5 FM, where you will hear conversation, information, education, inspiration, motivation from the American urban perspective. Remember, Urban Talk Radio is also being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Radio, NOTN, an interactive media website that features 24-hour radio, video streams, articles, blogs, and information on social living and current news. Today on Urban Talk Radio, we have a special guest. I get right to the topic. We have Alderwoman Anna Festa. And Anna Festa is an Alderwoman in the East Rock District of New Haven, historical area that really houses a multi combination of uh, ethnic groups, um, demographics of uh, education and college graduates. And um, I guess you would call it a more well to do, well established area of the city uh also in addition she is actually a homeowner in the area as well as a resident and i ran into anna this weekend at a series of block watches i was on tour block block watch parties or block parties and she can talk more about that and we started having some really good conversation about what really makes that area of east rock tick so if you for my listeners in New Orleans, this would be more like the Esplanade Boulevard area of your town um, or the French Quarters type area of your town. If, if for those who are familiar, or if you're even, uh, you know, from New York or so, it'd be more like the Brooklyn Heights, the Brooklyn Heights area of New York. So I'm honored to have her on the show today. We're going to talk, get in, really get in depth and talk about some things as relates to the idea and the concept of community wellness. And the reason we're talking about this is... Often you're hearing around the country now that crime is down. Crime is down. Policing has come to a new level and it's reduced crime. But really in the police world or the law enforcement world, even though crime has dropped in many communities, what has also not increased is trust between the police and the relationship between the police. And we believe that community wellness is a key feature to making that happen. So we'll talk a little bit also about that today as we get into the show. And if you're tuning in today on Urban Talk Radio, you can stream this show live on your smartphone or computer by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. Also, you can tune in and join in the conversation at Facebook Bowl Minds and Twitter at Bowl Minds. Anna Fasta, good morning. Good morning. I'm honored to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you, and you're all ready to go, I can tell. <laughs> I'm ready. So talk about... Talk about what you do. So, Alderwoman. Let's start with that. Alderwoman. So, here's the deal. On the show, do I have to call you Alderwoman, or do I just get away with calling you 
Anna, or can I call you Fess? Can I do like the Oprah thing, just kind of like make up a whole bunch of different terms? No, you can call me Anna. <laughs> first name basis, how's yeah, first that? First name basis. So, I like it that way. Yeah, so talk about, let's talk about, tell me what, what first of all, a lot of people don't, don't even really know what an alder woman, an alder person's role is. So if you could just talk, start off there. An alder is also considered a city council or town council for anyone who's not familiar with the term alder. Um, it is basically you're assigned to a ward in, the, in your town, city, municipality. And you look after, for example, my ward actually consists of not only the Brooklyn Heights, as you call it, East Rock, but Cedar Hill, a portion of Fairhaven, as well as down to Middletown Avenue. Oh so gosh. it's a pretty big, diverse ward, and it's Ward 10. Right. And Ward 10 con- constitutes approximately 4,000 voters, registered voters that... How many unregistered? A lot. 4,000? I would say less than that. So let me ask you this, not to get off too off topic, but uh, as a elected official, I know often you know the numbers of of the registered voters does your campaign group or your people we'll call it your people do your people also take an account or track the unregistered voters so war 10 is very unique in the sense that it's very transient there are portions of it where people are moving in and out it could be every year every two years even up to every five to seven years it's harder to track those individual registered voters. Many of them are grad students who are here for a couple of years, don't want to register in New Haven, want to keep their town's registration active. Maybe it's too much of a hassle for them. I don't know. So those are more difficult to track. But of course, you try going door to door, you try to, to try and register them, you try to have registration days maybe in front of some of the markets that are located in my ward. Um, I'm thinking of actually doing a registration day at the high school that is in my ward just to get kids and high school students more involved and and excited about voting. Uh, So it's a very unique ward in regard to voter registration. We do try, but it's not always easy. What what about um, undocumented? Well, I think you know as well as I that, uh, especially in Fairhaven, we have many undocumented residents, so it's almost impossible to know how many there are because uh, they too move around. Now, there was a there was a law or something the governor was working on, trying to get them able to vote. Is that is that correct? Oh, that's that's a while ago. Yes, did um, that go through? No, I, I lost. Okay, good. No. All right, okay. No, that's a very complicated, I mean, there yeah. are a lot of immigrants who came to this country. What do you think Donald Trump would say about that? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Incredible. All right, so let's move on to, you know, kind of like the day-to-day. So, I, you know, the day-to-day as an alderwoman, is it like an open day for you? So, or, I mean, do you have like, I take complaints from like 9 to 2, and then after 2 o'clock you can... You can call me about events and, and then like late night, only call me on extraordinary emergency or how, how does your day go? I mean, in, in terms of how you balance out your time. Well, keep in mind, 
uh, most alders have full-time jobs and um, it, it becomes more and more difficult to take calls during the day, although most are very diligent in doing so. Your day could be phone call after phone call after phone call, which was Monday morning for me. And it doesn't mean it's just constituents that are calling you. It's also city departments that you have reached out to to help those constituents. You're checking email when you can. And sometimes that becomes difficult. It may not happen until the end of the day to check your city email address. Most of our meetings, our community, our committee meetings begin after 530. And that's part of the charter. The main and most important job of any type of alder, city council, town council, is to make sure that the administration is following the charter of the city. The charter of the city is basically our constitution. So you're, so you're like the um, parliamentarian, you can say almost that. in a way. Well, you know, city government is actually no different than our federal government. You have the president and you have Congress. So we have the mayor and we have the board of alders. How's that going so far? Uh, you know, some tasks are easy and some tasks become more difficult. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, city government is, is not easy. We have to remember that people in the administration have other things to do than just deal with me, one of 30 alders in the city of New Haven. So they get backlogged. We get backlogged. We try our best to deliver answers to our constituents. Uh, the fabulous thing about living in New Haven is that we have also what's called C-Click Fix. C-Click Fix, I believe, is an underutilized tool, and more and more residents should probably look into it and register and register any complaints because those complaints go directly to whatever department in the city is taking care of it. For example, if you have a public works issue, a pothole in the street, you will direct it to public works and they have someone that takes a look at the C-Click fix and can address the issues quicker possibly than I can. With that being said, it doesn't mean you don't make us aware of the C-Click fix that you have addressed because it's important that we follow up with it as well. If you're just joining us today on Urban Talk Radio, we're discussing community wellness block by block. You can join the conversation on Facebook at Bowl Minds and Twitter at Bowl Minds. In the studio today, our guest is Alderwoman Ana Festa. She is the Alderwoman for Ward 10 in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, as we previously described, here in New York, that would be like the Brooklyn Heights. And if you're in New Orleans, that would be like the French quarters. So let's talk about uh, why it's like the French quarters. I actually like the French quarters. I used to spend a considerable amount of time in New Orleans back in the late 80s. So that's when I first fell in love with coffee. Right. And well, that's a good way to go into our next part of this. So this weekend, we both were on tour. You were main tour for block party. So let's talk about tell people. What's a block party? A block party is an opportunity for neighborhoods to get together, or residents of a neighborhood to get together to either introduce yourselves to each other, come together. Food always brings people together. Yeah. So Y'all had everything at that one on Anderson Street. It was like... <laughs> well, we have very, very enthusiastic uh, yes. block partiers, Pinata. I should say. <laughs> yes. There was like a wine table... 
you know. Oh, don't forget the uh, pig and goat. The pig and goat, roasted pig and goat. Uh, I mean, it was just, you had everything there. You know, I have to say that is a passionate neighborhood. I think the beauty of what this neighborhood brings is the true meaning of community. Community has so many, so many meanings. And if you break it down, you have COM, you know, common and unity. So it's basically coming together in unity with something in common. And that could be either a religious affiliation, it could be school, it could be a club you're in, and it could be your neighborhood. And I think what's really beautiful about the community, such as uh, Anderson Street, or as we say, the Canderson Street (laughs) Black Party, or even the one on Pleasant Street that you attended on Saturday, is that neighbors know each other. And you make it a point to have these block parties to get to know the neighbors you may not know or are new to the neighborhood. And it's a great way to introduce your neighborhood to these uh, newbies, per se. Um, And by doing that, you have you you look out for each other in many ways. I must say that the the atmosphere there was was is very intoxicating. It really was. It was. You felt like someone had just really brought a whole bunch of people into their house and they were having some really nice dinner and you just walked in and they had the pinata, the the roast uh, uh, of the goat and the pig and everything. And that was just, you know, the, the food, the big long table. I think it was like, what, four or five tables of food just in a row. And then every time you turned around, somebody was bringing out cup. I wanted some of those cupcakes. <gasps> You left without a cupcake? I, no, the cupcakes left without me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there were what, about yeah, 100 were, kids yeah, there? Yeah, I, I looked, I was like, oh, I wanted a cupcake. And I looked again, and it was gone like, a, you know, like the close encounters of a third kind. It was just, it, it just took off. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, th- and I noticed too on that, in that particular area, a lot of children, a lot of young children look like under the age of, of 12. That was more of the children he, uh, area of town and then I and then I previously I had gone to so you there were back to back so there was one that took place from 12 to 3 that was on Pleasant Street and then there was another one that took the place on Anderson Street from 3 to 9 yes so I knew the 3 to 9 one was going to be like yeah yes because <laughs> it was going to get dark but the Pleasant Street one um was also was also very nice too as well. I mean, all of them had their unique feature to what the people were doing, and this is something that I have been talking about for a little while now, for maybe about eighteen months. Is you know this when we start talking about police strategies, we start you know to narrow it down to neighborhood specific policing because people have very specific needs, very specific wants. And they have their own criterion. They have their own living criteria, not a standard, but their criterion. And I found what, what I really found really interesting was on one side of um, just literally four blocks away. You know, I was talking to the folks on Pleasant Street. and I was like, okay, make sure we lock up our cars and, you know, and so forth and lock your doors so that, you know, you have this issue with people coming and smash and grab out of the window. And they, got it and I was like yes you know I, someone broke out my window for flip flops and so I understand exactly but then when I got over to 
the other side to Anderson Street where you were, you know, people were like, well, you know, it's not a lot of change, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, like it's almost like, well, it's almost, well, you got to understand, you figure if we got a hundred cars over here, they're going to break in about 20. So, you know, we're just, and then so the whole different kind of attitude kind of change. And, and so people understand that to the listeners out there, we're not talking like a, the difference between the four blocks is like, somebody making 200,000 or somebody making a half a million, everybody's making the same, probably same six figure salary. So and and paying their bills. Right. So no one has a bunch of extra money laying around. Um, but it's just, the needs were different, you know, um, what people wanted and what, what people's expectation for police, I think, uh, is different. I would imagine from your end, is it different for you as an older woman? Are, are the requests from that four blocks, different from the other four blocks, which is separated maybe by two blocks. Well, you know, let's remember East Rock, which, uh, or the portion of East Rock that I uh, represent is also considered the uh, grad ghetto. Uh, you have to <laughs> it remember. It don't look like a ghetto, though. It's just so I we'll know. know. <laughs> it, it's, it's considered the grad ghetto, which is pretty funny. And keep in mind, you know, uh, as much as we want to say, it's very diverse in the sense that the uh, income's, you know, graduate students don't make a lot of money, uh, but I think we have to remind. What do they make? What do they make? Uh, probably twenty. Twenty what? Thousand. Oh my gosh! Yeah, That's... or twenty five thousand. But it's only I, it's one not... person, though. Correct. Yeah. So, it's... which is why they call it the grad ghetto because you know they have to fit as but many students two... in one apartment. Yeah, but, but you're putting two. You're talking normally it's a house with four people living in it. Right? Yeah, anywhere so... from two to four, depending yeah. also if they're married and, and the spouse has an income that That's comes true. in. Um, but then again, you know, I have also a section in Cedar Hill and Fairhaven that are also very different. So each of the War 10 neighborhoods that I represent have different needs. So if you're looking at, let's say, we'll call it the grad ghetto portion of uh, War 10, their needs are, okay, we have the occasional burglary that really are kind of their fault in many ways. <laughs> and I say that because, it's not really their fault. It's the window's fault. Right. Because the, the window let fault. the burglar come in when he left it open. Right. You're not in Kansas <laughs> anymore, Dorothy. Right. Uh, so, you know, we have to remember as good of a neighborhood as it is, it's still a city. Yes. You yes. know, you always have to look over your shoulder. You have to lock your windows when you leave for the day. You can't leave them wide open. Cars, cars, you know, I think, I think the casual that you saw yeah. at the blog party is yeah. that we're so used to it. I'm sweating about these car burglaries, right? These car break-ins. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing like a, a David Seinfeld standing up uh, at the the one had the on, over on Pleasant Street with the microphone and saying, hey, listen, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Let's come up with a really, you know, cool term. And folks are like, yes, uh, I'm going to, you know, and some of the things that's, that are left in the cars, um, you know, are just extraordinary. But I mean, you know, we know this in law enforcement that we talked about this, I believe, about five years ago, that in the future, the crime of, you know, the crimes in the future, normally in American urban cities would be property crimes. Right. And that's because we know the unemployment rate is high. We have a certain uh, group of people in the country that are just suffering economically. They're going to get desperate. And then so you're going to have the haves and kind of like going to have not. So we know that's coming. What we I don't think what we did take into account is our super extraordinary infatuation for electronics. <laughs> we talk about what we're addicted to, 
when I was growing up back probably in the 70s, we were addicted to McDonald's, right? <laughs> 70, 80s, right? We were addicted. Well, we would we would go anywhere to get a cheeseburger if it was a McDonald's cheeseburger and that milkshake to go with it, right? Um, and now we're just addicted to anything electronic, you know, anything electronic and blinks. And I, it might even be, I'm going to get off topic for a minute, but it might even be we've even programmed our children because I have four children and my boys, I have three boys, including my daughter, all two years apart, loved those light sneakers, those little sneakers that they sell like at, back then at like Walmart or Kmart, and you walk and they light up. Oh, my gosh, they loved them, right? Um, and so basically what we're doing is starting them off on an iPhone. Right? <laughs> they're walking on an before iPhone. Before they're walking. Yeah, before they're walking. Um, and, and, you know, all these, uh, the iPhones, the iPad, um, what else, the the smartphone, so just just in general, your smartphone. So you, so normally a person has a smartphone, a grad, especially a grad student, smartphone, an iPad or some type of pad, a laptop, right? And then there's normally some other backup type uh, device. I don't know what it would be. Maybe a what is it? A book? What's what's the ones that re- Kindle Reader or something? Kindle or uh, <laughs> right. Chromebook. Right. So uh, you got about four electronic devices. Uh, to often get left behind somewhere in the car for whatever reason it's not being used. And these are the things that people, you know, that's really attracting people to uh, break in vehicles and, and, and take things. And I really feel my heart just drops sometimes when I um, read some of the reports of, you know, people that go into people's house. And I, 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 the story that I gave Pleasant Street, which I did not give a lot of folks on your uh, the block, par- block watch party you were at. One was because there was an age difference. So it looked like really on the Pleasant Street side where the grad students were, the age group was like really under 27-ish kind of. And on your side, it was more like 30 and up. You know, folks had moved from the grad to making dough. Families. Yeah, to families. (laughs) And so the best way I could try to get across them is don't put anything in your car that, if you come back and it's not there, you won't miss it. Now, that also means if you don't have anything backed up on your computer or your smartphone and that data. And so they kind of responded to like, oh, yeah, that's the only copy I have. So they responded to that better than the actual material uh, itself, which just, again, it goes back to, you know, the specific needs of of, of the community and, and what's going on. So uh, let me just take this little break for a second. If you just join us today on Urban Talk Radio, we're discussing community wellness block by block you can join the conversation on facebook at bold minds and twitter at bold minds and also remember that urban talk radio is being simulcast on new orleans talk radio notn an interactive multimedia website that features 24-hour radio video streams article blogs and information on social living and current news issues all the women let's move to a uh a more serious topic. Um, we talked this weekend about an area that we have over there that actually has a homeless camp um, right on the river. And, you know, that kind of talks about, too, I think an issue that is in almost every city. I've, I've you know, I've been to some of the major cities, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, certainly New York City, um, and what is a growing trend, Atlanta, Georgia, growing trend 
if you're driving and you drive into these cities or if you fly into the city and you just happen to be driving out, you begin to encounter that first homeless person or two or three. I noticed that in Philadelphia was extraordinary. I mean, they were almost people were like they were a part of the facade of the city everywhere. And here we have it, too, in New Haven, particularly it, it appears that in this particular area, there is a lot of homeless camps or encampments. I don't know what we would really call them. Uh, well, what do you, what, is there some, a, a, te- a technical name? There's no proper name for it, no right. technical name for it. It's just a homeless encampment. I'm right. sure word gets around that there's this place and you're safe and you can stay there uh, without really anyone bothering you. But, um, you know, we, we are fortunate in New Haven to have many organizations that help homeless uh, folks. Unfortunately, we don't have enough money to support some of these places for what they really want to achieve and, and their goals. Um, you know, there is an encampment there. For the most part, these homeless folks are happy to be there, believe it or not, and uh, know the resources that are available to them. Um, it's unfortunate that we can't find them permanent homes or, um, you know, I, I know the city knows they are there and I know the city uh, will look after them and does look after them in many ways because we have uh, live, livable cities initiatives that will go in and check up on them. Now, the question is, do you kick them out? Do you not kick them out? Uh, are they bothering possible hikers that are back there or not? You know, being in that ward, I haven't received any complaints. And if I don't receive any complaints, I don't want to disrupt them either. Uh, but it's up to the community, really, on on how this should be handled and up to, I guess, our administration, too, how we should handle this. Do you, outside of the community and the administration, do you have a, I don't know, like a, I call it in a sense a personal strategy, but I'll, I'll be more broad and say, you know, just your outlook, your strategic outlook on a middle ground, you know, which is the city seems that it has, it has struggled over the years trying to figure out a way to effectively address homelessness, right? Um, 20 years, I, I know it's it's been a 20-year struggle because it, it goes up and down. Population appears to increase during the summer months or the spring, and then they drop, you know, the numbers seem appear to drop down in the winter, but then in the winter we're faced with people potentially freezing to death when extreme weather, so we have to go around, look for them, and open up the shelters and provide what it, warming centers. So we're trying to find warming centers, which ironically sometimes are are places that we normally don't use in the city. That's a building that's just been sitting here forever. And we so want to say, well, if we could turn it on and stay warm in the winter, why don't we just make it into something and staff it, right? Um, so that's the, you know, that's a conversation, obviously, that needs to be addressed. But I really want to, you know, if we just take maybe a minute and really just talk about that. I mean, like, what are, are there any proactive ways that we can, you yourself um, have been thinking about ways we could partner maybe with some of these groups and, and tie some things together. Dream or the reality? That's the question. Cause the dream is yeah, to I take Donald good. Trump's money yeah. and, and build <laughs> yeah. reform houses and build more homeless shelters. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the dream. Well, and you it, know, it's been my experience with, with homeless shelters, like 
like with juvenile detention centers, like with um, jails, you know, in the end, people want them, but they don't want them in their neighborhood. Right. So it's like, well, let's build. No, 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 no. That's not let's not move it there. So it's kind of like you go back and forth to where are we going to put it then? Right. Well, why don't we just make one area, put them all in one area? And but, you know, they're already in your neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. So but out of sight, out of mind. You know, and it is because the area that we're talking about is out of sight. You don't see it. You have to look very carefully where where they are or go hiking and you'll see it or canoeing on the river. Um, You know, so they're already in the neighborhood. Are there right and wrong answers? It's really hard to say. But I think, you know, uh, integrating low lower income housing. I don't know. Um, Some of these folks get Social Security. Some want to be homeless and are happy where they're living. And some really need the resources for help because they may be mentally unstable. And I think we have to, and I'm not saying that our administration doesn't do this because I think actually we have so many organizations that really, really try to work with the homeless to provide them with a home or a shower or Mm -hmm. food. Uh, We have, uh, you know, food pantries and, a lot of just great organizations that really reach out to these folks. It's a matter of finding out what their personal needs are and, and basing it on that and then figuring out what are the next steps. And there are professionals out there that know more than I do who maybe a round table needs to be done. If it hasn't been done already to discuss the future of some of these homeless folks. I think that the homelessness, as you know, as I talked about around the country, it appears to be, you know, a public administrative challenge everywhere, you know, uh, and it could be too also, especially in New England. I mean, if you're a mayor, you only have two years, right? So by the time you get in there, uh, you move in, you get organized, it's, you're getting sworn in, hand up, <laughs> hands up, don't shout, right? So you're getting sworn in and then you've got roughly 18 months um, before you're going to leave office, if you're not going to get reelected again, and in that 18 months, you got a year. You got 12 months to come in and execute a plan and fix what could have been broken for 12 years, 20 years. Um, you know, even if it was broken for 12 days, you got you've that's all you got to fix it. So that's I think that's a challenge in itself, trying to figure that out, which 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 might require something being done at the state level where you've got more time to implement a, a longer term plan that's potentially backed or supported at the federal level, you know? Um, but of course it doesn't always work that way. Well, it comes yeah. down to money and it comes down to, unfortunately money. it always comes down to the almighty dollar. Yeah. And, but uh, we spend a lot. I mean, I, I, if you add the numbers, if you look at some of the homeless numbers in, in terms of what happens, folks get uh, intoxicated and then they have to go to the hospital because they've you know passed out somewhere, and the ambulance has to come, and the emergency unit comes, and there's been numbers that's come up over time, a thousand dollars a trip per you know to the hospital. You start adding up all these numbers, you know you could potentially find that ten thousand dollars a day is what you're spending just to transport folks when they pass out and take them to the hospital, which they'll be there for eight hours, four hours. That's a bill. Somebody's got to pay that bill, taxpayer. And then they're back out again, and then they, that cycle might repeat in 24 hours or 36 hours. So if we run those numbers, we might find that that dream you're talking about 
<laughs> could become reality. <laughs> could be a reality because you say, wow, you know, who's who's doing this? So, I mean, that's a, I think that's a, just another uh, way to look at it. You know, just something food for thought for folks that's out there that's listening. On a more uh, lighter note, as we come to the close of the show, got a little bit more time. So we have this event coming up that we all have come up with this great idea, Coffee and Cops. Now, it's really not people out there. It's really not like we're a genius and we just sat around and came up with this brilliant idea. I mean, even though we, I think we could come up with brilliant ideas, right? Uh, But actually, it's something that the, the Justice Department actually started, which is actually called Coffee with a Cop. And it's kind of like a program of extension in terms of community engagement between police and the community. And it's a way to get the community to actually come out and talk with police officers. We know that over the years, police officers had caught a a bad rap with donuts and coffee and the Dunkin' Donuts. But with um, the introduction of more gourmet style coffee and younger cops and uh, the fact that people now have gluten intolerance (laughs) and all the other things. Donuts have um, fallen low on the Richter scale. (laughs) Uh, It could have a lot to do too with the fact that police officers no longer always get uniforms every year. You sometimes now you only get them every two years. Sometimes you have to pay for them. So it's a good reason to watch your weight, (laughs) right? Because the money's literally coming out of your pocket or (laughs) beyond your pockets. So, just get, get the elastic waist. They're not the elastic waist. No, it's the real deal. Um, when you get in, you're in. So we came up with this idea where we talked about, now we have our thing. We're going to have our version of this called coffee, which is with a K, coffee with a cop. And it's being sponsored by coffee. Um, with yeah, a K. With a K, who was in town, who is also one of your uh would you call it constituents? I hate that word, really, to be honest with you. But yeah, that's what it's re- called. Yeah, it's I like resident better. I like resident better. It's like a constituent. like So stern. Yeah. I voted for you. You do what I say now. <laughs> Pronto. Yeah. So you know um, Duncan well. Um, and so we all got together and decided to do this event this Friday right at the corner. So it's just really, we talk about community wellness. It's really taking all these different parts of the community Duncan owns coffee. Coffee is right out, right downtown. It's right on the outskirts of uh, literally a block away from where the, the district starts or the ward starts. Um, we're going to have it at a, a nice historical church, which is St. John's church right on the corner of Humphrey and orange, which you can't miss us. So you drive by to be like, wow. Right. Um, I reached out to the church uh, staff and their administrator. They were super excited about it seems like the community is super excited and that's a very very busy area and what i really love about it is 4 30 to 6 30 it's like yeah it's like a happy hour you're right <laughs> it's it like coffee happy hour so i mean just you know talk about it. what what is your thoughts about this i mean we're, we're talking about now maybe doing one this this friday and looking at doing maybe two more throwing we're throwing out the throwing it back and forth maybe one on saint ronan street um, and then maybe another one up in Cedar Hill where we touch base with some of the, the, the stakeholders up there as well. So, I mean, what is your feeling about what, what, what would you like to get out of, yeah. out of our coffee, 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 um, cops. you know, I love the idea because I think it allows the police officers in the community to come together on a more casual basis than a, you know, uh, 
we could say professional basis. Yeah, somebody, somebody broke your window out, your $200 window to get your $2 flip-flops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, but I think it's more than just complaining about their issues. I think it's also exchanging ideas and coming together as a community and showing that, you know, police officers are real. They're human beings. They have a heart. They have blood. They flowing in their veins. We have and they a have loss a brain. of sleep. <laughs> and, and a loss of sleep. And I think uh, uh, a, a mutual respect will develop from this. And it should be it should be the coffee and cop show taken throughout the city. And this is a good start to have it uh, at St. John and then take it on to two more road shows and continue that if it becomes popular. But it, it's again, it, it it's community coming together in mutual respect over coffee. Do you like coffee? I do like coffee. What's your favorite? Espresso, cappuccino. You like, you like I'm Italian. I'm not. I think we're gonna have espresso today. I know. I know. I talked with Duncan, and he was like, "Listen, I'm gonna take care of everything. We're gonna have the tables. We're gonna have people. Just need to show up." But what was really interesting is that he also requested. He was. He wanted to know if the officers could come not in uniform. You know, he said, "You know, could they just come?" I guess like I have, I've got my black man shirt on. So it's picture <laughs> some Nike. That's what I call it. It's a Nike artist. Actually, Mike Moran gave it to me. So it's one of my favorite shirts. But, you know, he's like, can they just come in plain clothes? I was like, no, they can't come in plain clothes because the contract doesn't allow them to be in plain clothes when they're really working. But his, his, his request was, we really want the community to relax. And them seeing the officer in uniform is you know, it it's kind of creates somewhat of a barrier where people won't be able to kind of like let their hair down. Um, well, if you're there, they'll let their hair down. <laughs> I, I, you came in uniform at the block party yeah, yeah, and you true. had a crowd around you yeah, that yeah. I don't think we're really complaining. <laughs> yeah, it was conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, but that takes effort though. That's, you know, that that's effort. Everything that, takes effort. Yeah, and that's skill. You know, that's a skill set that you, that you're recognizing that you are in uniform and you want people to see you beyond that. So you really have to project through that uniform, not the uniform, but the you. Yes. And that's sometimes that's a learned skill set. That's not, doesn't come all at once sometimes. And, and sometimes officers because it's not something that's really trained in the, in the, I guess you would say, as part of the resource base of the officer. They're like, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I should smile. I don't know if I should, I, you know, I don't want to cross the line. Right? So you don't want to cross the line with your community or with someone. Well, you know, uh, is it crossing the line? Be you. Right. Even as a police officer, you're still you. You just have a different role when you're in your uniform on work duty. That's right. And when you go home, you're in a different role as husband and father or whatever else. Right. Uh, so your role may change, but you as a human being does not. So it's important to just be yourself. And when you're yourself and you like you, other people will like you too. <laughs> wow! Am I and being I, philosophical? Yeah, you are being so philosophical. <laughs> Definitely, those are like happy words. Like, okay, now go to school. <laughs> yeah, that's why I tell my kids and don't get in trouble. <laughs> so, moving forward, you've been an old woman for how long? I am in my second term. Second so term, not so, that long. So this is the fourth year. Your fourth third year. Third year. Third year. 
and when are elections? They will be in 2017. So you've got a little time next yes. year. Mm-hmm. You're gonna run again. Um. Um. <laughs> Not sure. You know, I, you know, I'd like to, but okay. I, I will say it takes uh, a, lot a lot of, of time effort. from your family. Yes, it and is. If you were to ask my three boys and my husband, they would be like, "Oh God, are you yeah. gonna run again?" How old are your boys? Uh, almost 13, 11, oh, and nine. God. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I enjoy it. I like working with the community. I enjoy working with the public, going to the meetings. And, you know, my thing is I want to save the world. Unfortunately, you have to save the world one baby step at a time. One bit, yeah. Do you get in trouble for that? Do people, let me ask you this, because I kind of feel like that's not, people go, you know you can't save the world. Just just let it go. Like, just just accept it. And you're like, move away from me. No. (laughs) It's all our jobs to try and save the world and be better people. And you can change the world. One person can change the world. We can name some. uh, Jesus. Uh, let's see, Martin Luther King, Sojourner Truth. We got there's a whole lot. One person changed. I mean, just the fact that we remember these people's names is the fact that they changed the world. So, yes. you know, we never have a group of people like the uh, Furious Five. Those are rappers. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Remember the Furious Five? Yeah, <laughs> they changed the world five five people at a time. Well, you know, I mean, musicians change the world that's too. Right, that's right. And you know, why can't we? That's right. So, as a note on the way out. Uh, we got cops and coffee. We have uh, block parties, right? Um, those are two good features. What about uh, moving forward? We're talking about um, book readings. What gives us some ideas? What are some moving forward after we move off Friday's event? Just some brainstorming, some some things that we can do moving forward, just as a, a community in general, just to blend communities together. You know, uh, the library is a great resource i love the library and we're so lucky here to have a new haven free public library where anyone is welcome we have uh we we talked about this we have those little corner libraries that uh, people have started setting up throughout neighborhoods where you uh take a book and leave a book or a free book a free book or take a book and bring it back you know what i liked about i was looking it up last night and uh what was really interesting in it, it said uh, the, the the facts, right? The, um, frequently asked questions. It says, um, can you steal from the little library? And then it had a little thing that says, you can't steal a free book. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So that's like number, number one. <laughs> you cannot steal a free book, right? Um, but please so, take one. Yeah, I, I love that. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that on our uh, on our upcoming, uh, you know, conversations, but I think the the, the little free library um, is going to be, I I think it's going to be a hit. I mean, personally, I think it's going to be a hit. So, and reading is fundamental. And reading, and according to Lou Rawls, that's what he said. He made it. I mean, he coined it in a way that nobody else could. Mm-hmm. So, well, listen, thank you for uh, coming on the show today. For those of you who just joined us on Urban Talk Radio today, we were talking about community wellness. Uh, block by block and on the show today we have alderwoman anna festa she is an east rock resident she is also a homeowner uh and she's also very involved in the community dedicated to doing the work that she has been doing and i'm i'm really happy to have her as an alderwoman that i have a chance to work with i think she's doing really good work and remember that urban talk radio airs every wednesday at nine o'clock 
a.m. on newhavenindependent.org. And also remember that Urban Talk Radio is also being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Radio, NOTN, an interactive media website that features 24-hour radio, video streams, article blogs, and information on social, living in current news and current issues. And thank you for joining us on Urban Talk Radio today. Remember, one person can change the world, and we can change it together block by block. Amen.